Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We start out by going to your phone calls. Matt in Illinois on the amp line. Hello, Matt. Hey, guys. How are you tonight? Super. What's on your mind? Uh, all right. Last night I called, and uh, we were talking about water. And I told you I work for a bottle uh, company that bottles water. That's correct. Uh, I don't work in that department. I'm, I, I fix... Um, print circuit boards mm-hmm. and keep the equipment running. But uh, I went and talked to the chemist today that does the testing to find out about the drugs for you. And first thing I found out is he's not really a chemist. He's a microbiologist. Ooh, that but sounds does, even more special. Good enough for me. <laughs> but he does the uh, he does the, the testing, the chemical testing mm-hmm. for the water. And he told me that any drugs that are in the water is taken out by the reverse osmosis. Okay. Oh, cool. Good to know. Because the reason you bring that up is because I la- I asked last night. There was a guy that called in to to mention the story that we actually talked about when it first came out. The uh, the idea that people in America are taking so many drugs, it doesn't all get broken down. It passes through them essentially, and it goes back into the water supply. And there's this microscopic level of various different narcotic substances in the water supply. And some people are very concerned about that, very worried. And so it's good to know that there are processes that, I mean, it's good for them to know, I wasn't concerned, that there are processes that can actually remove that. And um, some little factoids that I found out. If you want to find stuff out, talk about people who work with it, and they'll tell you everything you ever wanted to know. Sure. Uh, um, he called these things partially dissolved solid, uh, solids, and there's um, between 150 and 200 parts per million uh, reverse osmosis takes it all out. There'll be zero parts per million when uh, you go through the reverse osmosis system. Now, in spring water, there's still that, that stuff still exists. Sure. And when we when we get a delivery of spring water, we get our spring water from Wisconsin, and it's delivered by truck. And the first thing he does is test it. Now, the most important thing you got to test for is microbes, which is why we have a microbiologist and Makes not a sense. chemist. Because those microbes, if there's amoebas or whatever in the water that gets into you, you're going to get sick and you're going to die, and then my company's in trouble. Yeah, yeah. that wouldn't be good. We don't. So like that. the first thing he does. But he wait, wait. Whenever he, hold on. Before when, you go on, your company could save money by eliminating the microbiologists, though. <laughs> right, but then then if somebody happens to die because they drink a, a, a bottle of our water. And, and we have many brands. But but companies uh, are but companies are bad, and they just <laughs> care about the bottom line. Why wouldn't they fire the microbiologist? Well, this is considering the bottom line. If somebody dies and sues us, we'll go out of business. I'm just pa- have... I'm just playing the bedwetting stupid liberal. Right. Well, that's that's why you have to have the microbiologist. It really wouldn't matter whether the government was around or not. All that would matter is. If we have a, a a system where if somebody dies they can still sue. Yeah. And um and so that's that's the that's the important thing here is that and besides that if if ten people die or twenty people die even if they couldn't sue us who's going to buy our water now? Uh, not many people. That would that would get out there real real fast. Yep. The so, marketplace has ways of handling these things. What was your other point you wanted to make? Uh, well, the other thing is is that in spring water you still find. Um, 
you still find uh, 150 to 200 parts per million of dissolved, so- dissolved solids. Right. And uh, those are all natural, and there's still standards involved that they have to meet. Hmm. Hello? Very, I'm yeah. just absorbing the information. Very all good, right. sir. So there, there's still standards involved, not only from our company, but from the company delivering the water. They also test. So you've gone through two testing phases, nice. one at the company that's delivering the water and one when it's delivered to our company. Yep, and I, I don't know what level of uh, final certification there might be, but we know that, for instance, uh, big companies like Walmart and Target and those sorts of uh, companies, they in, they ensure their safety of their customers by checking products that are going to go on their shelves and making sure they've been certified to be safe by companies like well, well, Underwriters Laboratories. So I don't know if you guys have to pass through any certification process in order to get your product on the shelf, but that's a, a possible third uh, step that you may not even be aware of. Well, we actually bottle the water for the Target stores in our area. Oh, wow. The Target-flavored water is bottled by us in, our, in, our, in this area. I'm so sure what, that they have local bottlers in other areas, too. Right, and the process is Target is going to send their representatives to your factory. They're going to go to different factories, and they're going to say, you know, show us what you've got, show us what, you know, the prices are going to be, and show us the, your safety standards. And if you don't... Uh, if if your company does not meet their specifications, they're not going to buy your product, and you'll never get into that marketplace. You'll never get into that uh, that market segment, which is a very desirable one. I mean, the people that's shopping exactly at Target, true. who wouldn't want to be in Target? Right. That's exactly true, and that's that's our biggest customer in terms of the water. Yep. So that helps keep the that helps keep the businessman honest as well, which is uh, is all good news for the end consumer. And uh, Matt, great call tonight. Thank you for the information. We appreciate it. Also, another update. On something we talked about earlier this week, uh, Peter emails in. He says, just finished Tuesday's Free Talk Live. Now, if you've heard or if you've already heard or found out on your own about the MDI Air Car, then never mind. But here is some info if you haven't, and I had not. The Air Car is the real deal, says Peter. The concern you mentioned, Mark, about the pressurized tanks is apparently addressed by the use of carbon fiber. You were concerned that this idea of compressed air powering a vehicle could result in some awful explosion? Well, um, if you've ever seen a, uh, a, a an air tank from a diver's air tank uh, just go crazy, then you'll know that air tanks going, you know, having their valves knocked off is a very bad thing. Apparently, according to him, a carbon fiber air tank may split and leak, but will not explode. So, once again, the marketplace... Fixing all of these. I wonder uh, if that's true with uh, uh, you know scuba diving tanks because I don't know that much about scuba diving tanks. I've I've used I've gone scuba diving a few times. He says these cars, the air car, gets about 200 miles per fill, and the exhaust is fresh cold air, which can be routed into the car for air conditioning. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. The air tanks can be filled in about three minutes at a refilling station, which I imagine will be adopted by the current fuel stations, or you can purchase an air compressor for use at home that will fill the tank in about three hours and about $3 worth of electricity. That's cheap. Ian mentioned there'd be no need for fuel, and that's not really true. The compressed air is just a mechanism for storing the power, which will presumably be made use uh, made by the use of electricity and air compressors. However, one could use a pump powered by a battery grid charged by renewable sources. The beauty of it is not only the much lower miles per dollar, but also the total lack of emissions. There's also the next stage of this technology, which would involve putting a gas-powered air compressor on board uh, of the car and having it constantly refilling itself. Speculation there says that one could drive from San Francisco to New York City on one tank of gas. Of course, 
there wouldn't really be a tank of gas. It would just be an unending supply of uh, compressed air. Tesla, Mort- uh, Tesla Motors, that we did mention earlier this week, signed an agreement with the inventor, uh, MDI, to produce the air car. Seems like those guys are real. Oh, excuse me. I-, I said Tesla. It's Tata. Tata Motors, which is the uh, that company over in India that we had mentioned one of their cars earlier, I believe. The Tata Nano. I don't know. As you may recall, that cheap $2,500 car that we were this talking about. This one was about. supposed to be 2500 bucks. I thought. Uh, no, this one costs about $2,500 to produce. And apparently they could sell it at a profit for as little as $5,000. But that's what they're doing around the world. But here in the United States, our precious government is protecting us from this technology under the notion the air car might not hold up to our crash tests, being that they're largely made out of plastics and other lightweight material. Thank God for the government. They may sell in the U.S. next year for $18,900. He says, I don't know if that's because of our quickly weakening you know, dollar. This is just proof that regulations hurt people. Um, we could we could all be running on air-compressed cars right now mm. if it wasn't for the stinking government and their crash standards. He says that uh, he doesn't know if it's because of our weakening dollar or our owners stealing money or or our owners stealing our money up front if they can't get it with the gas tax. I assume it's both. Oh, I see what he's saying. He's suggesting the price is so high because the government is laying a serious tax on these things uh, because that's what they do. 800-259-9231. He says he's been following the technology for three or four years, and it is the real deal. Uh, more on the way. You can take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever's on your mind. Also, coming up, the latest on the polygamous sect and the raid that happened earlier this week. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airways via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the sickle CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Grab the archives. We've got an entire uh, year's worth of the program right there on the front page of the website. Easy to download. Easy uh, torrents, which will get an entire month at a time. Totally free, by the way. Just head on over to freetalklive.com and take advantage. Are you thinking about starting a business? Here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help you protect you against frivolous lawsuits that can wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. I've done it. It is fast and easy. They do all sorts of legal documents, patents, wills, trademarks. You'd use code FTL to save $10 off your order. That's LegalZoom.com. All right, still to come, uh, we'll talk about the politicians granting themselves special privileges as, you know, the, what, that's not news, right? But what area? Well, it might be in the drinking realm. We'll talk about that. Mark's got the story. But first, we go to the Associated Press on the latest on this polygamous sect that so many people have been talking about recently, the uh, yearning for Zion Temple in uh, Texas was raided by the police, I think it was over the weekend, and they took hundreds of children out of there, and uh, about a hundred plus women also left with their kids. And there was a lot. There's been a lot of news uh, pretty much all week long about this. And my basic position earlier this week was: yes, these people are doing things that you and I would probably find abhorrent, uh, repulsive, perhaps. Definitely things we wouldn't do in our own lives with our own friends or family members. But this is their lifestyle, and it is what they've chosen for themselves. By all indicators, 
they, the people that were on this particular compound, if that's what you want to call it, the people that were living there were living there on a voluntary basis. They could have left at any time. It's just that they believe that, well, in this whole religious thing of they, everyone else is the outsiders, they are God's that, chosen people. I don't and, know that, the, that we're talking about all indicators necessarily say that they're living um, you know, they're, they're voluntarily. There, there was a call in uh, to the authorities that mm-hmm. said, uh, I'm being raped and forced to do bad stuff and things. That is what, yes, so I've heard. So um, they still have yet to fa- uh, to find that girl. Understood, that but uh, you know, what, what do you expect the authorities to do when they get a call like that? I don't know. I don't really consider them authorities. They're just people, but uh, they know, do. If, they, they consider you, themselves the authorities. If you care so much about you know what's happening on this religious compound, then you should go and save the kids from it. Sure, we're, but uh, we're talking about the real world, and in the real world, it's the the, the police that are tasked with this job. I, I understand that. Okay, so well, I, I'm just trying. I'm just holding. You know, making sure that uh, the, the, that that uh, the words used here are true and correct. Gotcha. Anyway, um, the point here is that uh, from all indicators, from what I can tell, just because someone calls and makes some allegations doesn't mean that the people are being trapped in this particular building against their will and being forced uh, to stay there. So they could have left theoretically at, at any old time they wanted to. It's just they've been brainwashed to believe that bad things would happen to them if they did. Sure, I, I okay? absolutely believe that. So that's their lifestyle. It's what they believe. And in fact, what's very interesting about this, and this, the title of this story is Raids Have Strengthened the Polygamous Sect. Mm. And I think it's interesting. We'll look into uh, you know why things like this happen, but let's get the uh, the information first. The recent raid on a polygamous sex compound by child welfare investigators has been tried before but only temporarily interrupted the sect's way of life. Authorities previously burst into the rural Utah-Arizona border, home of the Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, back in 1935, 1944, and 1953. Children were, as today, shuffled off to foster care, and their parents were imprisoned. But the families came back, time after time, even more committed to their religion and to polygamy. According to Ken Driggs, an Atlanta attorney and polygamy historian, he says it ended up strengthening them in the long run. Last week, state troopers and child welfare officials began a search of the FDLS compounds in El Dorado, Texas, after a 16-year-old girl there called the local family violence shelter to report her 50-year-old husband had beat and raped her. Driggs, who's not an FLDS member but has spent a lot of time with the community and became close to several members, said the latest raid won't change much. He says it's not going to make it go away. Polygamy in Utah and Arizona is primarily a legacy from Joseph Smith, the founder and first prophet of what today is the mainstream Mormon church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mormons brought the practice to what is now Utah in 1847 and soon began to openly preach it. As pressure mounted from the U.S. government, the church discontinued polygamy in 1890. That, however, birthed an underground movement to which today's self-described Mormon fundamentalists tether their beliefs. The Mormon church renounces polygamy, excommunicates members who engage in the practice, and disavows any connection with the fundamental version of their church. Now, the FDLS is the largest known polygamous sect in America. Although its membership is not published, figures from the 2000 U.S. Census show roughly 6,000 residents were living in the twin towns of Colorado City, Arizona, and Hilldale, Utah, where presumably a lot of this hanky-panky goes on. The recent raid at the Yearning for Zion Ranch in Texas is having a shockwave uh, sent through the fundamentalist communities of Utah and Arizona, according to Mary Batchelor, a co-founder of Principal Voices, a polygamy advocacy group. 
We've been working for years, so this exact thing would never happen. So it's very disappointing and heartbreaking, she said. I think it will impact a lot of the work we've, been, uh, we've done to build bridges. Church leaders have kept a strict hold on every aspect of FDLS life, from the modest prairie-style clothes worn by members to amount of time their kids stay in school and which house a family calls home. Marriages, which sometimes have included unions between teenage girls and older men, sometimes. Seems like that's all they talk about. Well, you know, that, that would be, that's the news as opposed to, you know, um, the, the normal stuff that might go on. Apparently, marriages are arranged through the church's prophet and leader. Sect dissidents say the rules got even tighter in 2002 when Warren Jeffs took over the church. Jeffs, who's now 52, demanded more from followers, asking for steep increases in the 10% monthly, uh, monthly tithe. Dozens of men were excommunicated. Their wives and children were given to other men deemed more worthy. Many say the number of child... Jeez. Child brides also increased dramatically. Taking a less confrontational approach to polygamous sex may not work any better, as Utah Attorney General Mark Shurtleff learned in 2006 when he took on another secretive clan, the Kingston family, a 1,500-member group based in the Salt Lake City area but scattered across the state. He said back then that instead of conducting a sweep to serve 80 search warrants for DNA samples and other evidence, he tried to work with the family's attorney. And, of course, the result of all that was all our subjects disappeared, our targets disappeared, and we didn't get the warrant served like we'd hoped to do. So why is it, Mark, that when the government goes and cracks down on these people, that they come back stronger than ever? Because no one wants to be told what to do. Well, that might be one factor. The other factor may be that their religious beliefs, as I understand it, says that the outsiders are bad, uh, yeah. that they are the chosen, uh, the chosen of God, mm-hmm. and that you know they have to live in this certain lifestyle in order to jump through whatever the hoops are that they need to jump through to get to the heavenly place or whatever it is sure. they're looking for. And uh, so when the outsiders, in the form of the government, come in with their guns and their tanks and, and their scariness... It just reinforces their belief system, and it tells these folks that we are doing the right thing. These are evil people out there. They are trying to destroy our way of life, and we need to regroup. We need to uh, get back together and move somewhere else or do what we have to do to get away from these people, but continue our lifestyle as is. Did anyone think that would stop them? I don't don't really care what a bunch of nuts think when they're forcing people and hurting people, um, you know, violently. At that point, they just need to be stopped. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Well, so far, no real significant evidence that I've seen that anyone was hurt. They can't find the girl. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live, it's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, Sickle CAI toll-free line for you, that's 1-800-259-9231, it's Ian here with you, and Mark, and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, all the features on the site are free, so enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who have sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show, just head over to shrine.freetalklive.com, see what it's all about, Shrine. .freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, 
and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. Uh, more here on the polygamist case. There are some pretty outrageous allegations uh, going around here, and before we get to those, I'll tell you a little bit of what it was like for the SWAT team when they actually came to this particular ranch in Texas, 1,700 acres uh, that they were that they were searching for this uh, alleged 16-year-old girl that apparently called with some uh, some allegations of sexual abuse as well as I believe uh, physical abuse. They says here that they uh, advised the ranch leaders to leave the temple's doors unlocked or provide authorities with a key, but the sect refused. A locksmith was unable to unlock the door, and a special tool also failed. Caver said the front, front doors... <laughs> got some pretty serious doors there at the old uh, waiting for Zion uh, ranch. Sure did. Uh, Caver said the front doors and every door inside the temple had to be breached by a SWAT team. He said authorities had saved the inspection of the temple for the last step in the week-long search of the ranch grounds. He said that we knew the temple would be the most sensitive issue on the property. If there was resistance, it would be then. Seems unlikely that this girl would be uh, being uh, chained to the wall in the Some temple, dungeon. right? dungeon. Well, who knows? You never uh, know. A bizarre scene. We don't know. They didn't know what to expect when they went in here. A bizarre scene unfolded when the police moved toward the compound. It says they lined up about 57 people around the walls of the temple. Otherwise, they would be in violation of their beliefs for not defending their temple. Several of them basically sat down or kneeled down and prayed, and some of them were sobbing. As the SWAT team, the breach team, reached the door, one of their members decided to resist, and he was arrested. Said they also brought in a team of cadaver dogs to sniff out the possibility of unmarked graves, but none were found. They found plenty of indicators to the group that, or that the group considered young girls to be eligible for their spiritual marriages to, to older men. Court documents noted that among the children there was a 16-year-old girl who'd given birth to four children holy crap now once every 10 months i mean you're talking about she got knocked up when she was 12 and i don't i bet you they don't go to the hospital no probably not no epidurals she is not thought to be the same 16 year old who triggered last week's police raid by calling a family violence shelter and pleading for help the caller told counselors she had an eight-month-old infant and believed she was pregnant with a second child police have said there are several pregnant teenagers among the girls taken from the ranch the caller told authorities that her 50-year-old husband would force himself on her sexually, beat her, punch her in the chest, and choke her. He once broke several of her ribs, she complained, and while he beat her, one of his six other wives would hold her baby. I wonder about the the alleg- their response to these allegations. Is it is it a little overreacting to go in and take 400 kids out of this compound? Well, I, when they're only looking for one and right. one man. Well, what I'd like to consider this is what I've been trying to think of this as is a neighborhood, and it does seem strange that uh, you know one person calls from one house in a neighborhood, and uh, but you you can empty the whole neighborhood. You can you know just take all the kids and all that other stuff. That doesn't seem right. Um, so you know that that in and of itself bothers me. This is it's such a strange little group of. Folks that uh, I, 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 I'm sure they feel like some of the rules are suspended. You know, they don't know which house anybody's living in. There's, uh, I, I imagine letters come to a, a central box, and so therefore there's no – the church elders decide who lives where. That's mm. the, the article just said so. So I'm sure they have some problems, but 
I, you know, under sort of current policing uh, procedures, they should only be able to go um, and in one house and look. But what house is that? Here's another. They probably don't even have numbers there. Here's another interesting point. Uh, they took 461 children, or they, they're using the term "rescued them" from the polygamous ranch. Uh, it says here that apparently, after they took them, there was an outbreak of chickenpox that started among them. Oh, geez, they're the probably not vaccinated, and then one of the cops was a carrier of chickenpox, I guess. Who knows what it was? Uh, but now, about a dozen sex children have been diagnosed with the disease and were separated from the others who are, by the way, being housed in a shelter in San Angelo, Texas. I'd like to know exactly what the uh, the situation is like for these 461 kids. What is it that they're living in now compared to what they were living in? How has their situation changed, and how do they feel about it? That's that's what I'd like to know. Of course, the cops aren't they going to They just want life to go back to normal, I'm sure. Yep, I imagine you're right about that. Uh, according to a different However person, abnormal their normal might be, as far as I can tell. Right. Now, here is a former child bride who was returned to the sect when she ran away. Flora Jessup says, I spent three years in solitary confinement with them trying to beat Satan out of me because I stood up against God's commandments, she told Good Morning America. She says, I know firsthand what this little girl is saying is the absolute truth, that she's in imminent danger. They do lock you up, they beat you, they whip you, they brutalize you, and they physiologically, or excuse me, psychologically destroy you. Most of the children would not be able to withstand the psychological torture that they put you through. So, now I presume that only happens when you disobey them, right? Like right, if you sure. don't follow the, uh, the sect rules, they, uh, they do this abusive stuff. And now, I'm not why defending was the girl that. returned? I they, really I haven't gotten to that yet. I don't is know. It, if it's, is it? I mean, you know, if it's a 16-year-old girl and she runs away from home, they're certainly going to return them to the parents. Uh, you know, that's bizarre. It doesn't itself. say. I, it doesn't make it clear what happened with her. Maybe we'll find out here. In Which, a moment. of course, is just a failing of our laws. Um, you know, I mean, why can't 16-year-old girls go and decide where they want to live? I think a 10-year-old should be able to go and decide. I mean, people can make choices at that age. Anyway, she said that they're going to use that child against her, the the one that she's pregnant with, allegedly, to keep her from talking. They're also going to use threats against her other family members to keep her from talking. She says that is very common. They're looking, uh, cops now are looking for access to a series of locked vaults, safes, and desk drawers. Now, why on earth would you need that? Because they have the girl that made the complaint in the desk drawer. (laughs) I thought you were going to give me a serious answer there for a moment. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I mean, when you, when you have a warrant for something in this legal land world, you can only search areas in which that person or that thing that you're looking for can be found. And if what they were looking for was this girl and the person that abused her, then there's no reason to break into their safes. This is outrageous well, There's no to reason me. to take, uh, 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 what, 140 kids away from no, their no. parents either. 461 kids. Hmm. Sect leader, uh, blah, 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 Warren Jeffs, yada, yada. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they don't answer the question here as far as what of happened they don't. with that girl. Why did she go back to the sect? Why did they use the term return? Term return. You know, I just get the feeling that there's there's just not a lot of both sides of the story here. We're hearing a lot from the government representatives, and we're hearing a lot from someone who escaped uh, from this particular sect or cult. Of course, she can make up whatever she wants to make up. I'm not saying she's lying, but I'm saying that what they did here was way overreacting. Taking hundreds of children out of their home and putting them in some sort of governmental structure, some camp, 
basically, a la Hurricane Katrina? I mean, where else are they going to... You know, the government's not going to rent out a hotel to put all these people up. Well, as, from what I understand, they built a little uh, a, a little sort of uh, temporary city for to house these people. The in, government actually. did? That's That's my understanding. Well, whatever it is, it's uh, private shelters. I'm sure it is a step down from what they were, uh, from where they were before. Look, if you've got comments on this, maybe you know a few things about this that uh, that we do not. You're privy to some information about the fundamentalist sect here, uh, the fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. If you'd like to comment, we'd love to have your input. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. Of course, we'll keep our eyes on the case, and as things continue to develop, bring it to you. Now then, we move to the world. Unless you call in, about what you want. We move to the world of political political corruption and just hypocrisy. The drinking hour. When does it stop? At the end of the night, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. where you are? Well, not if the grand old party's in town. We'll get to the details there. Mark's got the story, and we'll talk to you about anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, then become an amplifier. Join the program at amp.freetalklive.com. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is a simple one. You send in three bucks a month. We take that money, reinvest it into the show, and turn it into more radio stations. More stations airing the show means more people coming across the message of freedom and liberty, and that's a good thing, right? Plus, you get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. Get all the details at amp.freetalklive.com. Before we talk about the hypocrisy of the politicians, I want to get a little bit more on this uh, Texas sect. Uh, Not just the Texas sect, but the fundamentalist Christ Church Jesus Latter-day Saints. You you know what I'm talking about. FDLS. The girl that we mentioned before, uh, Flora Jessup, Mm -hmm. the woman who was making allegations about all the abuse that she received at the hands of some of these uh, scumbags in the, the sect. Well, I got a little bit more information on her. And you were correct, Mark. We had wondered what the story meant, the AP story, when it said that she was returned after she'd run away from the sect. And when you hear that, it makes it sound like the sect came out after her. And they may indeed do that. In fact, she alleges that they will try to hunt you down. But in this case, it was the government that brought her back. Here's her statement. Uh, this is uh, from a website called HelpTheChildBrides.com, which has a number of personal stories from people that have escaped from this particular cult. She's one of them. It says here, I escaped from polygamy 15 years ago and now live in Phoenix with my husband and two children. I fought for my freedom just as the children trapped today fight for their right to be free. After turning to the Department of Children and Family Services for protection, I was sent back to the polygamy compound back into the cult that I asked them to protect me from. Mm. I was severely punished for running away and spent the next three years in seclusion, held hostage by my uncle Fred, and kept for my siblings and even my mother. In April of 2001, my 14-year-old little sister, Ruby, was married to her stepbrother. Ruby had also had the courage to run away and sought her brother's help. After one week, she was returned to the polygamy compound and disappeared. When I contacted Utah authorities in Department of Children and Family Services and the Washington County Sheriff's Office for help to get my sister the protection she needed, they agreed to help. 
But they didn't do so, however. After a meeting with DCFS in St. George, where I was promised help for Ruby, I found they thwarted my efforts. After 35 days, they finally met with Ruby, but once again failed to enforce the child protection laws that they are mandated to support. Doesn't really surprise me. So the government sent this woman back to the wolves when she was able to run away. They took her and physically placed her back there. Now, you have to ask yourself, well, was this just because the government, you know, that's what they do, they just don't care about kids? Some of them, I don't know, maybe they don't care, but I'm sure there are some caring people in the in the DCF, right? That's why they, they get into the that particular area, right? Because they think. allegedly care about kids, wouldn't you think? I'm going to give them the benefit of that doubt. But as we've seen in various different cases across the country, when you have positions of power, people who are in search of power naturally seek those positions out. And it tends to be that the people that are in search of power are less than desirable. Uh, they're usually thuggish, violent people that are willing to rule over the lives of others, uh, or at least that's what they want to do. And so wouldn't it make sense that if there were positions of power available in the uh, areas of Utah and Arizona that we're talking about, wouldn't it make sense that the fundamentalist guys would go and run for office so they could they get did. their people in there? They have. Well, I, I, I believe you're right about that. I don't know if that's... I'm, I'm just speculating. They have. It, right. It, it I'm would telling make you sense. they have. Okay. Okay. So it would make sense. So, so when you go looking for the government to help you, you're running right back into the arms of the fundamentalist sect. So the government has not helped in this particular case. The government has hindered the escape of these kids. So everybody looks at the Texas case and says, yeah, government's finally doing what it's supposed to do. Well, even that is questionable because they've taken hundreds of kids when they only were looking for one, and they who knows how they're being treated now. Uh, but in the, in the case of uh, Flora Jessup, she got away and the government turned her right back around. So anybody that's out there saying this is why we have government, this is what we need government for, need look no further than the case of Flora Jessup, and she's not the only one. If they did it to her, they did it to other kids that got away from the sect, right? Mm. Yeah. So look no further than those examples for examples of why the government isn't the solution here. And if we didn't have the government around, then what I have suggested in the past would be, in my opinion, far more effective. Private organizations run by individuals who care, probably people like Flora, people who have escaped from this awful situation, who are willing to do what it takes to help these kids escape and help protect them after they've escaped. They, they, uh, there, there are, there is an organization out there. Uh, I believe it's called Lost Boys or Lost Children or something like that. This one is HelpTheChildBrides.com. dot com. There's, there are several organizations out there so. that that um, you know help the kids of this uh, FDLS uh, sect, and so that's working. Exactly. So just wanted to let you know that uh, you look to the government for solutions, and they throw you right back to the wolves, or they put you in some awful government internment camp uh, while you wait. For them to decide what to do with your life. Operation which is, Smiles, I guess, is uh, one of the organizations. That's what those kids are facing right now. They're just, they just have to wait while the government people decide what they're going to do with them next. And who knows? Maybe they'll end up in a foster home where they will definitely be abused. At well, least, at least I when they're in the definitely. Well, d- d- if they're in the right foster home, they will. Well, that's all I'm saying. Some foster homes, yes. Yeah. All right. So eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's continue the political 
people, what do they do when they want to drink later, Mark? Because drinking laws, uh, you know, they usually shut down the bars at a certain time of night, 2 a.m. They can be inconvenient. Sometimes, uh, you know, you, you, you got out late and you didn't have a chance to really party as much as you wanted to party or mm-hmm. you, you want to stay out later or whatever the reason is. And, and uh, many bars close at 1, 2 a.m. Uh, but from uh, TwinCities.com, Bar and restaurant hours during the Republican National Convention may stretch into the wee hours of the morning, after all, Hmm. with the introduction of new legislation that some prior naysayers are now tentatively embracing. (laughs) A proposal for bars to remain open until 4 a.m. around the time of the uh, convention passed unanimously through the House Commerce and Labor Committee today. Wow, how about that? Unanimously. The action follows the uh, failure of two previous proposals, including one by Representative Lowe, who was uh, um, removed from... uh, which was removed from a budget bill on Thursday. Apparently they shoved it in there. In contrast, the new bill allows bars within the seven-county metro area, including the border cities of uh, Northfield and New Prague, to uh, stay open later from the event uh, of Sunday, August the 31st, through the early morning of Friday, September the 5th. Five oh, nights. Six, yeah, five nights. Right. Meaning no Friday, um, apparently that's not Fridays or Saturdays. Cities would be able to decide <laughs> whether or not to allow it, but it would also be able to decide what geographic areas or license and zoning classifications would be affected. And they'd be able to charge bars a fee of up to $2,500 to get this uh, additional uh, time. Wait, the bar is going to have to pay to, oh, the, uh, to the bar's stay open? make a whole bunch of money in the process. Yeah. Wow. Some bars are going to pay that. You can believe it. So, See, you, so it's not just so, so who who do, who benefits here? Suppose they put a flat twenty five hundred dollar fee on any bar that wants to stay open. Okay. You've got on one corner a giant discotheque, mm-hmm. which uh, you know has the flashing lights, it has the dancing music, it has uh, several bars, mini bars throughout it, bartenders all over the place, the girls with the uh, the, the the shots going around and, and bikinis, yeah. you know that. Yeah. And on the other is Sam's Bar. Sam, who can afford the twenty five hundred dollars? Right. So which one? Well, who's who's going to sell enough drinks? It's just Sam. Yeah. <laughs> cleaning glasses behind the counter at his bar. Right. Although I'm sure I would I would prefer to be at Sam's bar where the music's a little more subdued. Yeah. And uh, you can talk to some people rather than the big loud blaring discotheque with the uh, strange soft porn waitresses walking around. Um, but, but it's bar smaller. Only so many people can go in there. Right. So the big bar benefits and the little bar loses. Why? Because that's how politics works, my wow. friends. Yeah. It's awful. The ultimate in local control says, patting himself on the back, I, I think Mr. Kirk Zeller, Representative Kirk Zeller, almost broke his arm doing this. Um, he's a Republican from Maple Grove. He described his, his proposal, which is uh, tacked onto the, uh, an omnibus house liquor bill following input from the cities of St. Paul and Minneapolis. Last week, St. Paul's City Council voted 4-3 to three against the 4 a.m. closing time within city limits, while Minneapolis voted 9-3 to three for it with some restrictions. The contrasting council decision raised the specter of a business-on-business brawl across city borders. In addition, by brawl, I guess they mean the comp- mean competition yeah. uh, for, in the area of drinks. Um, in addition, St. Paul police officials estimated overtime costs about a half a million dollars for the previous 11-day stretch of late bar hours. But with the new ch- uh, changes, some key opponents of the previous bill have toned down their objections. I think this is the best for everybody, said Jim Farrell, executive director of the Minnesota Licensed Beverage Association who, nonetheless, called the new bill a mixed bag. I'm still worried about that. Well, that's a compromise. It stinks for everyone. I'm still worried about whether or not it will pit one city against another, Farrell added. What, is the, what was the original reason uh, for the, the restrictions in the first place? Isn't it to stop people from drinking at a certain point? Yeah, I guess well, they just don't drinking care about too that late anymore. is bad. Well, they don't care about that anymore, right? Because the convention's in town. Just very interesting.
Well, it's it, it's what politicians do. It's, us versus it's convenient them. for them. Yep, it's for it's, the Republican National Convention, yep, for God's sake. It's us and them. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Hour 2 is coming up. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, it's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want, toll-free at 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That number, by the way, is brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. To the phone calls, we go. Jeff in Nevada, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jeff. Hey guys, I just wanted to talk about a little bit about the shadow government. I tell you, I'm talking about the CIA, DOD, Department of Defense, black budget fraud. And of course, Congress has already addressed this. It's a grand theft, a ripoff of taxpayer money, and a blatant violation of Article 1, Section 9, Clause 7 of the U.S. Constitution. What is it that is going on, Jeff? What are you uh Well, what I'm saying is these this covert world of black programs, uh they you know, the acts with virtual impunity, um overseen and regulated by itself, funded through secret slush funds and free of congressional oversight. And uh, my point is this trillions of dollars of taxpayer money is being stolen and missing and the federal government these CIA black ops and DOD Department of Defense. Um, I thought the old allegations, Jeff, was that they were uh, selling drugs to get the money. You're just saying they're well, just siphoning yeah, it. Yeah, I mean they do that too. They do that too. But I see. They're, they're breaking the law. There's several federal statutes. I mean I can't go into them all, but it's also in violation of the Constitution. Mm. And to refresh you guys' memory, and this might ring a bell, on September the 10th, 2001, the day before 9/11. Dumb Dumb Rumsfeld went on national TV and stated that there was $2.3 trillion of taxpayer money that was missing that they couldn't find, they didn't know where it was at, and still the Congress to the day still hasn't found it. And, of course, this trillion. is That's a lot of money. I mean, their budget's yeah. only about $3 trillion. Yeah, and it's ironic that on September the 10th, the day before 9-11 now, that they talk about this $2.3 trillion that is a lot of jack. So, Jeff, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm contacting several committees right now. I'm <laughs> contacting the House and Senate Armed Service Committees, the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. What do you think that's going to do? The House and Senate Appropriations Committees. And because What are they going to do, Jeff? Are they going to sniff out the missing $2 trillion? It's missing. It's gone. It's been no, spent. I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about future abuses and misconduct. Which, what uh, do you propose? What are you suggesting they do? Put in another I'm, layer I'm of bureaucracy? Have, I'm saying that they have some oversight, and they start regulating these funds. And, and so a new bureaucracy is what you're calling for. Bigger government. Well, I, I, I'm sure that Jeff, uh, you know, I mean, he's doing what we're supposed to be doing. He's trying to be vigilant about, uh, you know, yeah, improprieties that are going on. No, I, I agree well, with it you. it can work. If you put a complaint in writing... Nonsense. I, do, I don't think it can. I mean, I'm, I'm of the opinion, after I saw the Supreme Court ruling on... Uh, well, on Congress is already been talking about it. They've already said Talk is it. cheap, Jeff. Talk is cheap. 
yeah, it is cheap. But Jeff, at the after, same time, after I saw the Supreme Court ruling on uh, the, the First Amendment as far as the right to petition for grievances, and I realized that the Supreme Court wasn't even going to hear that from the We the People organization at GiveMeLiberty.org, I realized, you know what? This is just one big system of people who don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about individual rights. They don't nope. care about any of the precepts that the, the, that the country was founded on. Jeff, thanks for the call tonight. Good luck with uh, trying to change the system within the system. I think I've come to the conclusion that it uh, doesn't work at all. You know, it's, it's very ineffective even at the state level. Let me give you a real-life example here. Uh, I talked to one of the state senators today. Oh here in New Hampshire. Now, one of the things you'll hear about New Hampshire as you listen to, uh, for instance, the people that are promoting the Free State Project, of which we are uh, two Free State Project members, from the political viewpoint, and there's a lot going on in New Hampshire that's not political, that's market-based activism mm-hmm. that I'm really excited about, but even the political guys have been having some success. And one of the things they'll tell you is that the New Hampshire state representatives are so much more accessible than the state representatives from where from whence they came. So we used to be uh, we used to live down in Florida. I don't think I Catherine Harris. She was a st- she was a senator, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, anyway, where you live, it may be a little more difficult to get in touch with these guys. But here in New Hampshire, that doesn't still mean a whole lot because half of them still won't return your phone call. Some of them you will get them to answer their phone at home, and you know their kid will answer the phone. And they'll pass you to mommy or daddy, who happens to be the representative. So, I've talked to the uh, the local senator a, a couple few times since oh, I've, yeah? I've been here. Yeah. Oh really? Well, she's never once returned my phone call until today. The senators are more difficult than the representatives to get in touch with, just because there's more representatives and the senators consider themselves more important because there's less of them, and so therefore they're not as interested in, in talking well, to you. They they quote unquote serve more people than do the representatives so you know one could one could make an argument that they are in fact a bit more important so one of them and i don't call her very often i only will call on certain issues when i'm asked to by some of the activists here in new hampshire and one the one issue that i called about earlier this week was marijuana decriminalization here in new hampshire there's a bill that has passed the passed the house for the first time in new hampshire's history to make it so that possession of a quarter ounce or less of marijuana is no longer an arrestable offense, meaning that you'll be handed a citation or a fine if you get caught with marijuana. Seems like a reasonable, teeny, tiny step in the right direction towards decriminalization. Yeah. And so that was why I called Ms. Molly Kelly. Uh, and Not real fond of Molly Kelly myself. No, she apparently has the uh, one of the two highest authoritarian ratings, or lowest, whatever you want to call it. Molly Kelly believes the government can solve anything. Right. She cares deeply. She's one of oh, these Oh, no, people. she doesn't. Yeah, she cares she about people. She claims to. I, I really do believe she cares. I talked to her about that today. She doesn't give a damn. But she doesn't care about people individually, but she cares about society as a whole. Oh, okay. The good folks. Yeah. She wants, you know. Whatever that means. Yeah, whatever that means. So, so she lives in a very nice house in a very nice section of North Keene. So I, I had called her a few times in the past, and so this week I called again just, you know, for the hell of it. Maybe she'll call me back someday. And so she actually called me back today. And uh, so I asked her the question that I had originally intended to ask, and that was, well, how do you feel about the legislation? And so she gave me, and by the way, all this is summarized at freekeen.com, probably in a little more detail than I'll give you here. But she gave me sort of the typical politician answer of, well, I haven't read the legislation yet. It's just come across my desk, and I haven't had time to read it. That's usually you know, the first blow-off you'll get from a politician. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And so I well, then I'd ch- like to be informed about this important topic you're talking right. about, citizen. Right. So then I changed my question. 
since she didn't know anything about the legislation, I briefly summarized it for her. But then again, I haven't read the legislation either, so it's not like I can say this is absolutely what it does, right? I've read a b- bunch of legislation this year. I worked for the, uh, you know, the uh, volunteered for the NHLA, reading, uh, uh, you know, some some laws and trying to pick out the ones that are the worst. Yeah. My section is the labor, uh, you know, my, my subheading is labor, so I get all mm-hmm. these, uh, you know, sort of rules that uh, em- by which employers must uh, employ employees and, yeah. and that kind of garbage. But um, you know, I, you know, it's uh, I just don't. Uh, I, I, Your point about reading the laws is what you're making, right? It, it, it's it's difficult to read them and understand what they're saying. Sure. So I didn't want to ask any more questions about the legislation at that point, since I had her on the phone. I figured it would make sense if I just found out her feelings on the issue. I mean, if you bring up an issue, shouldn't someone have feelings about it? Shouldn't they have an opinion, right. especially if they're a politician? Uh, well, it's pretty simple. We've summarized the, um, the legislation here, right. and we can do it in 10 seconds. It basically takes marijuana possession from, you know, of, of a quarter ounce or less from uh, down from a misdemeanor to $200 fine. It's easy. Correct. And so I, I summarized it for her, and I asked her, in general, how do you feel about the issue of marijuana decriminalization? Pretty simple question. You could answer that by saying, well, I feel it's a bad idea, or I feel like it's a great idea. There are really only two ways you can go, or I'm not sure. She could say I'm not sure. In this case, her response was non-responsive. She said, I'm not familiar with the details of the legislation. And I said, look. I'm not asking you about a legislation now. Yeah, let me make this clear. I didn't ask you about the legislation. What I want to know is how you feel about marijuana users being arrested and put into jail cells. Her response to that blew me away, Mark. She doesn't believe marijuana users are arrested. She says, that's not happening. I said, oh, really? I'm standing in the room right now with someone who, Julia, my girlfriend, who was arrested for marijuana possession, and she spent 18 hours in jail. In fact, over 750,000 people are arrested in this country every single year for simple marijuana possession. I believe it'll be 800,000 this year. You're probably right about that. It just goes up every single year. Even though I gave her all of that information, she still denied it. And I'll continue to the story here, because there's more to it. She got very upset at me, as a matter of fact. I was getting upset at her, of course, because very difficult to, for me to keep right. my composure. A, when senator, a senator that doesn't believe in reality. Right. That's great. Right. You're voting on my life? It was very hard for me to keep my composure while talking to this woman, uh, because it was shocking to me that you, couldn't, you didn't have an opinion about people being arrested. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, By the way, those features include the bulletin board system. Over 340,000 posts, lots to talk about from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Soviet-style central planning does not work. So what's the best way to reach out to Liberty lovers? Google Ads, Direct Mail, Free Talk Live? Only you know what's best. You choose what project is worthy of your dollar. Go to freestateproject.org slash donate and choose what you want to contribute. That's freestateproject.org slash donate. And check out the new blogs they have over there, too, at freestateproject.org. Now, remember, people shouldn't get confused about this free state project thing. The idea is not that New Hampshire is already a free state. It's that there's a lot of work to be done, but New Hampshire is probably the best starting point in that here there's already no state uh, personal income tax. There's already no sales tax. So, and a lot of people 
people um, would second guess whether uh, New Hampshire was in fact the uh, the best place for the Free State Project to uh, to show up. I could make a darn good argument that it w- that it is the best place for the Free State Project, but you know there's there's some factors that some people don't like. Chief among them probably being the Cold. weather. Um, beautiful right now, I'll tell you that. It is uh, spring is springing and it's, and it's, it is beautiful. Yeah, we're about to see some green soon, which is always nice. But you know you can have uh, liberty, or you can have the state, or you can um, sit there and have the belief that the state that you thought was the right state for this was the right state. But you can't have both because we're going to have liberty by 20,000 liberty-loving individuals moving to one state, not by people just sitting in the state that they thought was the best one for it. But as I said, there's a lot of work to be done, mm. including uh, you know, dealing with the existing status quo and the people representing it in the form of certain politicians. In this case, I was talking to one of them today, unfortunately. Normally, I don't busy myself with calling or talking to politicians, but I will occasionally uh, make a phone call or two or three or 30 or 40, depending on how I'm feeling, uh, if I'm asked to by certain organizations that I like. In this case, it was uh, New Hampshire Common Sense, which is an organization working on decriminalizing uh, and maybe even re-legalizing marijuana. And so I'd called and placed a phone call into the state senator for my area, the Keene area of New Hampshire. Uh, Molly Kelly is her name, and she actually called me back for the first time in my history of, of uh, leaving messages for her. And I had a chance to to, uh, to speak with her briefly, uh, where I asked her what her opinion was on this marijuana decriminalization legislation. She said she had no idea what uh, what it was all about, so I summarized it for her, and Which then is, asked her, you know, what everything that I've gotten from her um, also is. She has no intention of telling the little people what it is that they're going to do there in, in the Senate, um, hmm. and it's disgusting. So, uh, so I summarized it for her, and then I asked her, just generally, how do you feel about the issue of marijuana decriminalization? Certainly this has come up before. Certainly this issue has come up onto her plate as a, uh, a self-styled progressive or whatever. She certainly advertises herself as, you know, one of the greenies and all that. Certainly she would know, living in what they call Green Keen, a college town where there's marijuana all over the place, certainly she would have had an opinion about this, but no. She has no opinion of, of, about it. In fact, she doesn't even believe people are arrested for smoking marijuana. I don't believe marijuana exists. And I, I was just just struck by this, taken aback. Well, she, I, she doesn't believe that people are arrested who are arrested for marijuana go to jail, is what uh, she had said. No, she, no. She, for, at first, did not believe that people were arrested for it. Mm. And then she told me that she didn't think that that necessarily meant that they went to jail. I told her I was standing in the room with someone who went to jail for 18 hours for marijuana possession. She still continued to disbelieve me, said she was going to have to research the issue. So at this point, I had asked her several times for an answer to my question about how she felt about marijuana uh, decriminalization. And so I changed the question around a little bit, and I just asked her, well, knowing that, you know, whether or not you believe it's true... If marijuana users are being arrested in jail, do you support that? So that's an easy question, right? right. You put yourself into the possession. The if position. you don't believe it's happening, surely you can't support it, right? Because it's unbelievable to you. Right. So she said at that point she got offended. And she said she did not want to answer my question. Right. She got offended because you kept asking the question and you right. wouldn't let her dodge it. And she is earning her money from your tax dollars and she doesn't feel that she has to answer your questions. No. That's what these politicians are all about. They're disgusting. Right. And I originally brought this up as a, as a counterexample to what Jeff was calling about, how he thought he could change the federal government. Look at all the trouble we have with just state senators. These people are power-mongering freaks. Anyway, so she got very upset at this point. And I was upset at this point, too, because I was, I was losing my cool totally, because this woman is just... 
she's just full of doublespeak. Yeah, she, she is. I spoke to her on the seatbelt issue, and uh, you know, she 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 voted in favor of, of yeah uh, in, of seatbelts. She listened to me, and she would reiterate what what I had said mm-hmm. back to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she wouldn't give me any stance. I'm going to have to look at it a little further. Then she suggested, Mark, that this was an attack phone call, and that she had never experienced an attack phone call as awful as this one in her history of of uh, being involved in politics. So I, you know, I kind of took that like a badge of honor in a way. Well, thank you very uh, much. <laughs> uh, but still, she refused to answer the question, and uh, so I told her that you know at that point I, I I felt like she doesn't care very much about her uh, about people getting arrested for marijuana possession, and she then told me that she cares so much about her constituents. In fact, that's what she's all about. That's what right. she told me. She cares so much, but she refuses to answer the question. So well, then I asked do her. Do you care about the constituents that smoke marijuana? Because I can assure she you they're, she out, would they're not answer. out there. She would not answer the question. And I asked her if she knew anyone who smoked marijuana. Then she got really offended that I would at dare ask such a question. And then, get this, Mark. She, I don't understand what's wrong with that question. She then decided to th- attempt to threaten me. Oh, good. Right? Because these politicians, they think they're special and they're you know, really powerful. And so she doesn't really have a whole lot of power over me directly. But what she does have power over is whether or not she votes yes or no, right? So she throws out this threat to me that says that, well, I don't like your demeanor, and uh, this is not a good way to get me to vote in the way that you want, you know, you want me to vote. Mm. And, you know, I told her, I said, I don't care how you vote. At this point, all I wanted to know was how you felt. And now I know, so now I'm going to tell everybody I can. So I posted an article over at freekeen.com, and I'm talking about it on my show. And Kat Canning from the New Hampshire Free Press picked up the article, and she's going to publish it in her newspaper. And I sent out a press release to all the local, uh, the local media about it. So we'll see what comes back on this one. I've uh, posted her phone numbers, by the way, at freekeen.com. Her home phone number is there, her office phone number. If you want your calls to be screened, call her office. But if you want your calls to uh, not be screened so much, you can call her house. And uh, her email address and uh, her home address is all there. So if you you feel like getting in touch with her about this issue, uh, you're certainly welcome to do so. Because... You could tell her if you want, if you're planning on moving to New Hampshire, you could tell her you're thinking about moving to New Hampshire and you're, you know, disappointed in how she handled uh, this particular uh, believe issue. Believe me, she does not care whether you're moving to New Hampshire no, or not. She's, I, <laughs> I was just giving you a, a, a possible excuse that might make you feel better uh, about contacting her from outside of the state. But anyway, just, to, just to, as an example of how crazy some of these people are. She doesn't believe that people are arrested for marijuana possession. She what knows kind of that fa- people are arrested for marijuana what possession. What kind of a fantasy land? She didn't realize they went to jail. She knows they go to jail. She's a liar. Yeah, she's scum of the earth. Let's go to the phone calls. Dennis on the line in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Thank you, Ian, for giving that woman a piece of mind that she really needed to hear. Well, I'm glad that you're, you're pleased you make with her this. I hope life help. I'm, I'm going to bring you back, Dennis. Hang on. I'm glad Dennis is pleased because he's one of the, the major... Uh, activists as far as the political scene here in new hampshire and usually when they say that you have to when when they ask you to to call a politician you're supposed to be very respectful of them and so i felt like i might have done something wrong in this case because i lost my cool totally lost it with this woman uh and so we'll continue here with dennis and take your calls about whatever's on your mind this is free talk live With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is 
Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Freetalklive.com, by the way, uh, features including updates. Get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about the show. Go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. That's updates dot freetalklive.com how much do you spend on coffee just plain joe.com offers over 60 different flavors roasted to order from gourmet arabica coffee beans in whole bean or ground at just 7.99 a 12 ounce package and it's roasted fresh to order just plain joe.com most orders are delivered within three business days via ups buy five packages and save on shipping that's just plain joe Dot com. It's as good as any cup of coffee I've ever had. It's got the Mark seal of approval. Yep. Uh, all right. kind of picky. Let's continue with your phone calls. And back to Dennis in New Hampshire. We had just finished telling our listeners a story, for those just tuning in, about a particular uh, state senator and how she just lives in this bizarro fantasy land. Either that or she's just a, a scummy liar. Uh, I was trying to nail her down with a simple question on how do you feel about marijuana decriminalization? Do you support arresting and jailing marijuana users? And she refused to answer the question. Dennis, you said I did right? Well, it, you know, I'm, I'm a manager by trade, and I, I believe in getting the most out of every person on the team. Now, if I was talking to Mark, to be honest with you, I'd say, Mark, you could have done better. There will come a day when we need Molly Kelly's vote for something important, blah, yeah, blah. You just expect but more from me. I'm, I'm used to Ian that, yet, Dennis. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I'm dealing with Ian here. And for Ian to just be onside at all, right, I think, you know, I am happy as heck because there's another important thing, and that is just letting this lady know she's not appreciated and her constituents are pissed off. And oh, there yeah. comes a time when it really is important making her feel – because keep, keep this in mind. She's got a volunteer job. She's not getting paid for this, not really. She's not? Okay. And this is her – I thought senators got paid. Time. I thought oh, senators got like paid. bucks a year. That's all senators get? Okay. Yeah. Okay. 100 bucks a year. It's in the Constitution. Good. They devalue the money. They take it away from themselves. So – and this is her first time. I'm not even sure she expected to win. A lot of Democrats got into positions that they didn't expect to get in because everyone was – you know, anyways. Mm-hmm. So if she feels like, damn, you know what? This job sucks. I just get people, you know, pissed off with me on the phone all the time, and yeah. no one appreciates me. It's, it's easy to walk away from a volunteer position you're not getting paid for if you're not appreciated. So I'd say, you know what? So what if she votes against you just out of spite? I say – so what? So what? She's an authoritarian. Yes, she is. And that is. is another thing. I mean, the, the authoritarians are the ones that don't return the phone calls, that are just annoying and, and authoritarian. That's the way it works. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, you know, there are. if I want to find some piece of information in the New Hampshire Senate and really know what's going on and really have a good discussion with someone, I'll call one of the good senators. The guys typically from up the north of the state, the sort of woodsy guys, mm-hmm. they don't believe that government's a good idea in the first place. Nice. I'll give those guys a call. So I think the so one there, thing there that I, I definitely there. know I messed up on, though, Dennis, was I should have recorded the call. I can't I've believe got, you didn't do that. I, well, it didn't really occur <laughs> to me. I've got this Grand Central feature. This uh, Google has this website called Grand Central, and I think it's still in beta. But anyway, you can get a free phone number, and you can port different phone numbers over to it. So you can give out this one number, and you can have it ring up to six numbers at the same time. It's a really cool feature. It's, it's very cool. But I one of the things that allows you to do is record the calls as they come in. So what happens is it'll screen your call for you, and it'll say, 
you have a call coming in from Senator Molly Kelly, or whatever it is a person says when the thing beeps. And then uh, then it gives you several options. You can either send them straight to voicemail, take the call, or you can actually start recording the call. Or you can actually send them to voicemail and listen to them leave a message, which is kind of weird, kind of voyeuristic. Uh but I didn't think about it, and I only thought about it after the fact, so I went right to freekeen.com and started uh, you know, blogging uh, what I remembered of the conversations as, uh, as it was fresh in my mind. So next time, if, uh, if, I ever, if she ever calls me back, I will uh, record the call. I wouldn't worry about that. The local media thing is great because your, your neighbors, the ones that don't know anything at all about any Free Talk Live, they're going to see that, and yep. that's great. You know, Maybe she'll get a whole bunch of phone calls because whether this thing passes the Senate or not, there are there are things being set up in the background. Ooh, that no matter what happens, the massive public outpouring is going to set stuff up for us in the future. So pass or fail, we are definitely laying groundwork here. Give me a quick give me a quick uh, sales presentation, if you will, Dennis. I'd mentioned before just a couple brief pointers about why New Hampshire is such a great starting point to achieve liberty in our lifetimes. What how would you uh, you know pitch someone on that? Well, I mean, to, to my mind, the, the Free State Project, in, in my opinion, the way I'm going about things, is, is very simple. It's a simple plan, and it involves just a couple of dozen people getting elected into the state house. And basically, once we control one branch of government, we can stop a whole, any new bad stuff that happens and start putting the status on the offensive. Very, do, very, very uh, doable. Defensive, rather. Yeah, very doable and, plan. And that's the thing, yeah. I mean, if you show up and you're just not a jerk. And you're reasonably nice to your friends. And, you're, ta- and you're not and talking to Ian right now, are you? Hey, I was nice to her in the beginning of the <laughs> I'm phone call. To Mark, to be <laughs> I'm likely yeah, to run at some point. All right, keep going with your point. Yeah, well, you know, if you if you volunteer somewhere and you know you run at the soup kitchen or whatever, and you seem to be a nice guy, or you know you you spend time with the old people at the old folks' home, just volunteer somewhere. Fire in department. Fire department. Whatever. Whatever. Chances are when you run. You'll get elected because it's a volunteer position, it's unpaid, and there's a lot of them. So it, it is not at all unreasonable for a person to expect to get elected in the state house. Maybe not the first time you run, maybe the second or third time, but uh, just be known in the community and, and you can get elected. And the nice thing is the state house, even now, even with you know Democrats in power, quote-unquote, they're not more than like two dozen, three dozen people in power. So... Any of the big important issues, like seatbelts or marijuana or whatever it is, it's never more than two or three dozen votes one way or the other anyways. Mm-hmm. So two or three dozen people can really quite quite realistically take over an arm of the government. Well, take it over in the sense that uh, hold it hostage, as it were. I mean, you know, it, yeah. you, you, you aren't going to pass through. How's that? What's that? Hold it hostage to the Constitution. Like right. Make sure the votes go Constitution-wise every single time. It's not likely um, that you're going to uh, pass. Yeah, it's not likely you're going to pass a whole bunch of uh, legislation through there if you have a couple dozen people. But you could very well stop a great deal of legislation from going through, and now, that is important. Now, Dennis, that might be an exciting uh, vision for people interested in politics, but it wasn't really answering my question. And my question was for someone that's out there who heard me say that New Hampshire was a good starting point as far as, you know, being active for liberty. I mentioned the, uh, you know, no income tax and no sales tax. What are a couple of the other pointers just in general that we have right now in New Hampshire that makes it better than the other uh, states out there that you would say? Well, sure, there's a big laundry list of no things that we don't have. You know, we don't have an adult seatbelt law. We're the only state in the union with, without one. 
we don't have a helmet law, which a few states don't have. Um, and just things are so open and accessible. Again, you know, you ask me, I'll tell you from the way that I think is realistic is uh, the political angle that so much of it is open and easy that you can pretty much just show up and, and be in the thick of things. It's, it, it's shocking. And then, of course, there's the concentration of free staters. I mean, just the wacky, wacky, unheard of concentration of libertarians. I mean, it's, it's so libertarian out here. You're one of like, I mean, you're the biggest one, but you're one of like three libertarian radio stations, uh, radio programs on the dial, mm-hmm. right? Um, Where do you get libertarian that? libertarian TV and newspapers, and, and the message is really getting out there. People you talk to, they've, they know what libertarians are. Even the most... The worst people in politics will sometimes pull a funny one and say, you know, I'm kind of a libertarian at heart, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, yeah. So they've, they've heard of the word. It's, I mean, plenty of other states, no one even knows what a libertarian is. It's true. So, totally true. I, I think it's you know. It, 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 it makes me think of uh, something that uh, occurred for me. One, one evening I was uh, out at a bar enjoying a, a cocktail, and... Uh, some girl uh, said, oh, I know you. I saw you in the newspaper or something like that. You're a libertarian. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, and then she gives, like, gives me this funny look. And she's like, do you believe in aliens? <laughs> 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 Dennis, thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You, as always, can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it's your show. Bring up what you want via the toll-free number. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, then we ask that you shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Whatever you need to buy, Amazon sells it. I mean, there's, I don't know if there's ever been an instance of me looking for something that Amazon hadn't had what I needed. What we're doing right now, Mark, is we're looking into starting... I was looking a, at, uh, at the, the big things of shotgun shells. Um, like they 100. sell ammo? Yeah, they sell ammo. Damn! <laughs> but they don't have big things of shotgun shells. They only have, like, the five, you know... Five shotgun shells or something. That's all I saw displayed, at least. Generally, though, man, they've got it. 41 categories to shop in. We were looking uh, recently. We're starting a, a cop watch here in Keene, New Hampshire. Finally. Been waiting for this. right? Yeah, now we, we finally have enough activists now to uh, to do it. And one of them has taken the lead and is, uh, is running with the ball. And the idea was thrown out there that the cop watchers, and I think that they've done this in other areas, like Detroit or whatever, the other cities with cop watch, where the cop watchers will not only be armed with video cameras, but they'll also have reflective vests, you know, like the cops themselves. Right, the cops themselves wear them, and so that way we'll be, A, more noticeable, B, they'll know who we are, because we can get reflective vests and write cop watch on them with, Mm -hmm. like, black sticky letters or some sort of stencil painted on there, whatever. I'm not sure how the letters are going to get stenciled on. But it'll look really nice and official. And you know how they are. The, the government people, if you've got a, an official-looking press pass, then they, they treat you a little bit better. And if you've got an official-looking reflective vest on, who knows how they'll treat us in I don't. Case. I don't know. I think at, at first they're not going to like the idea that uh, there are people out here that have the hubris and the gall to watch us. We're the watchers. No one watches the watchers. Well, too bad for them. Yeah. 
because it's going to happen. And uh, so Amazon has more of these reflective vests than, I mean, it's almost overwhelming as far as which one you want to get because there's blue and there's red and there's yellow and it's, you know, there's different shapes and different options and so many, so many choices. And if you shop at Amazon.freetalklive.com, we get a percentage. So start there. Amazon.freetalklive.com. We go to your emails here from John. Subject line, I love government. <laughs> what? He said, Ian, you are an anarchist. Anarchism, which is the theory or doctrine that all forms of government are oppressive and undesirable and should be abolished, is a theory that history has proven does not work. With no government, the strong prey on the weak. Right, you Wait mean, a like, minute. The people that are the government? <laughs> Hold on a second. Are you saying the strong are not preying on the weak today in the form of the government? The government? This... I would say that, uh, in fact, the strong, uh, the powerful um, in this government have in- enslaved all of us. Yeah. That we're the serfs of the federal government by having to, uh, by-, by virtue of the fact that we have to uh, fill out income taxes and pay property taxes, that we don't even own our own land, that we don't own our yeah. own labor, that the only thing that you own is uh, like your own body, and you better not try to end your own life. These pe- these particular strongmen that are in the form of government today have convinced everyone else, they've convinced all of their victims, you and I, that they're in, they're necessary. Right. That you'd be you you'd be far far worse off without them. Government, uh, he says, should be. Oh, he says that's what most people believe. I believe that if you are actually confronted with a situation of no government whatsoever, you would cease to be an anarchist. Who would stop others from taking your rights? Well, who's stopping them today? Seems like they're just knocking them down one by one at the federal level. So the rights are going away now. Well, this he he's envisioning a world of with no control and no order at all. And uh, you you don't claim to be an anarchist. No, I'm a free marketeer. And and I think that uh, I, I think there's there's some value in what you you say there. Um, you know, he's he's imagining a world with no order. You don't imagine a world with no order. You simply imagine a world where voluntary interaction is, uh, you know, the, the the order of the day. Which is pretty much what our world is today, with the exception of governmental affairs and other criminals. So he's concerned that uh, people are going to take my rights. Well, that'll stop when people are willing to defend themselves. It's one of the reasons why New Hampshire is one of the lowest crime states in America is because you can have gun freedom here for the most part. No, all except for convicted felons, I can tell you that. Right. But generally, the New Hampshire gun laws are much more lax than other states' gun laws, and as a result, we don't have as much uh, violent crime. So it's not the cops that are keeping people in line. Go drive around rural New Hampshire and tell me how many cops you see. The the town that I'm moving to uh, doesn't even have a police officer. And people aren't killing one another, Mark? No. Isn't there a substation? If you try to go up to somebody's house and uh, give them trouble, I think you're going to be in big, big trouble yourself. That's the answer to the question of what will stop others from taking away your rights and your property. You will. Anyway, he continues. Government should not, or government, he says, should be a collection of individuals who voluntarily ceded some of their rights to another in exchange for protection of those remaining rights that they have not given up. Okay, fine. Fine. Voluntarily is the word that he used in there, right. and, and these governments are not involved in voluntary interaction. You know, the uh, that's that's not even worth disputing because you know that that's just the the mumbo jumbo that goes um, goes with it. But you know, the the um, the idea that you can't get protection from roving gangs, um, you know, people would want that. The marketplace provides everything that you want. Sure does. Everything. 
So I really do believe that uh, in a world where there was no government, you uh, you know that that wasn't somehow blown apart with a big huge bomb and civilization yeah. was destroyed. We have in the to process. go there voluntarily. We have I to choose this. I don't think that uh, I, I don't think civilization and government go together. But if you destroy civilization, you're not going to have any kind of rule at all, whether that rule is voluntary or not. But it, in a world where there is civilization, you're absolutely going to have organizations that want to provide you with protection. Most in most cases, all that's going to require is locks on your front doors and a couple guns in the house. That's what that's what it is for most people. That gets them by just fine. If you're a little more high profile, you know, Donald Trump, you might need some bodyguards, in which case those services would be available as well. Or if you need investigative services for after the fact or insurance to protect your assets, all of those things will be available. I'd and be, they are I'd available feel today. a little better with a uh, with a security company driving by once a day or something like that. But do that, sure. You know, that sounds something like what police do, but I can assure you they don't. I've lived in many, many, many houses. Where, you know, if you're, I, I like to buy on dead-end streets. It's kind of my M.O. Mm-hmm. The cops don't come down to dead-end streets. Well, sometimes I see cops out in front of my house, Mark, but all they're doing is waiting for people to run the stop sign. Yeah. <laughs> so the cop could be sitting in the, you know, in, on the street in his vehicle... Guys could be taking to TVs. Give you a ticket. <laughs> well, he could be taking somebody. A criminal could be taking a television out of somebody's house behind him, and he would never know about. No, it. he's busy watching the stop sign. So he says exactly which rights we've ceded to government and which we retain, and how closely does our government follow the rules that we've set up is a conversation we should be having. Not that government should not exist at all. I would agree that that's a great conversation to have, and it's a conversation I want to have. Says our but I'll tell you this: the politicians are not having that conversation with us. They are not interested in having conversation that conversation is, with us. Here are some more rules: obey. And if you, you know, I mean, I'm with him. I, I want to have that conversation. But the fact is, the, uh, the 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 other team is not interested in having that conversation. Well, what am I supposed have, to do about that? We're going to have that conversation. We're testing the waters here in Keene. We're uh, kind of finding out where the limits are and how far uh, we can be free without them and taking any action. Right. We're going to be and gambling I, in public soon. See I, what have, happens there. I, I have a lot of faith in uh, the Free State Project and what we're going to be able to do here in New Hampshire. But what I don't have faith in is the small government type to uh, do much about, uh, you know, the, the, the progress of the state. People like the gentleman who's writing the, this letter, I don't have much faith in them. It seems to me that somebody who has a radical opinion like the anarchists, the free marketeers, the voluntarists, those kind of people would be, and, and by radical I really mean extreme, it's, um, you know, both of those terms are, are a little harsh for what I mean about uh, the, those folks, but it's those people that have, uh, that are fringe, that have these sort of fringe opinions, they'd be more willing to move. The small government types will sit and complain it's true. He says, our relationship sh- uh, to government should be the same as our relationship to fire. Life as we know it could not exist without fire. However, it must be controlled because if left to its own devices, it will consume everything and will kill you. Government, likewise, must be controlled. Well, John, isn't that what the small government people have been trying to do for decades upon decades upon decades? Is it just that they haven't tried hard enough? What is it? Why is it in your mind that it hasn't, they haven't been successful? Fire is great for cooking food, he says, or heating your home, but it can't raise your children, keep you from hurting yourself, or ensure that you receive a fair wage at work, and neither can government. Your extreme views shut down the conversation rather than expand it. Put a lid on it, buddy. Let's agree that we need government, but that government, like a good guard dog, must be on a short and strong leash. 
Okay, well, this, this uh, you know, stopping the conversation uh, argument that he has Ludicrous. here. Ludicrous. We converse six nights a week. <laughs> right, right. And people call and people, uh, you know, at least we're talking about freedom and, and doing something about it. I don't know. I mean, this is, this is sort of the... Uh, the mentality that I get from a lot of the small government types is, well, we've, you know, we, we, we've got to keep on talking about it and keep on talking about it, just like the Libertarian Party has for the last 40 years. <laughs> you know, it's just, it doesn't seem like it's going to solve much. I'm all for the small government solution. I want that. However, it seems to me that the type of person that, that supports small government is just not willing to do anything about their, their beliefs. 1-800-259-9231. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live, Hour 3 is coming up. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line is 800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website as well at freetalklive.com. All the features there, completely free. So enjoy them on us, freetalklive.com. Kind of light on the calls tonight, so uh, maybe we'll be able to get through some of this. Been doing a, a little bit of... I don't know. We've been doing a lot of news recently, and so let's switch back to uh, opinion. This from a guy named Robert Locke, the American Conservative, which is, I believe, uh, one of the righty magazines out there in the world. Sounds like it. You might appreciate this, Mark, as a uh, former conservative. You wouldn't his, call yourself a former conservative? Viewpoints. I, you know, I, I was raised in a Republican family, but by the time I was an adult, I was a libertarian. So former teenage conservative, if if I even knew what it was back then, I don't it's hard for me to say I was ever anything but a libertarian. I was a, I've always I was been a an commie anti- in high school. I, I'll tell you that. I've always been an anti-authoritarian, as long as I can remember. So I think that's... I just didn't realize that I was a libertarian. Didn't know what it was until I was 18 or whatever. Anyway, he really wants to tear into libertarianism. So let's let him have at it. He says, this is no surprise... Uh, Meaning, uh, excuse me, the, the title of the article, Marxism of the Right, is what he believes libertarianism is. Okay. He says, libertarianism is basically the Marxism of the right. Marx, If Marxism is the delusion that one can run society purely on altruism and collectivism, then libertarianism, the mir- libertarianism is the mirror image delusion that one can run it purely on selfishness and individualism. Society, in fact, requires both individualism and collectivism, both selfishness and altruism, to function. I don't think that uh, – uh, I, I feel like that's uh, an inaccurate estimation of oh, what yeah. libertarianism his, is. Well, his premises are already flawed. I, I, I don't think that uh, libertarianism uh, you know, gets away, does away with altruism in any stretch of the imagination. I can see how someone might think that um, because libertarians believe that altruism essentially benefits the, uh, the, the person, the giver. You know, giving something to someone benefits me. Because I get a good feeling out of it. Well, it's selfish. So altruism is inherently selfish. You know, you can't really ever divide the two, right? But people so, don't believe me. No, of course not. Uh, people, do, people don't want to believe that they're selfish, but they are. They all are, inherently. You have to be selfish in order to live. If you're not selfish, you won't feed yourself and you won't take care of yourself. People are always selfish in every action that they take, even in the supposed unselfish uh, or the selfless ones. 
The ones where they want to pat themselves on the back for being so selfless? Well, guess what you're doing? You're being selfless, so-called. So you can pat yourself on the back. So you can feel good. Yep, exactly. Let me continue, though. He says that, like Marxism, libertarianism offers the fraudulent intellectual security of a complete a priori account of the political good without the effort of empirical investigation. And like Marxism, it aspires, overtly or, covert, or covertly, to reduce social life to economics. And like Marxism, it has historical myths and a genius for making its followers feel like an elect unbound by the moral rules of their society. The most fundamental problem with libertarianism is very simple. Freedom, though a good thing, is simply not the only good thing in life. Simple physical security, which even a prisoner can possess, is not freedom, but one cannot live without it. Prosperity is connected to freedom in that it makes us free to consume, but it is not the same thing in that one can be as rich but as unfree as a Victorian tycoon's wife. A family is in fact one of the least free things imaginable, as the emotional satisfactions of it derive from relations that we are either born into without choice, once they are chosen, entail obligations that we cannot walk away from with ease or justice. But security, pros Prosperity and family are, in fact, the bulk of happiness for most real people and the principal issues that concern governments. He gets into his, if you want to comment. Security, prosperity, and family are the, the bulk of happiness. The bulk of happiness. So most people don't care about freedom is what he's saying. I, I, I Security, suppose, prosperity, yeah. and family. Do yeah. you hear freedom in there? Do you hear liberty? Do you hear another one of the buzzwords? security, which is the opposite of liberty, yeah. generally. Well, it's uh, going to be clear here as we go on that this guy doesn't care about freedom. I mean, look, look I mean, his, one of his sentences here is that freedom, though a good thing, is simply not the only good thing in life. So it's freedom's a good thing, but let's just pawn it aside, because we've got other things, like security. It's important. Anyway, he says libertarians try I think to... all those things are um, important, and I think all those things are good, and I think all of those things would benefit from, from freedom. Liberty. Sure, you can have all those things under a free society, but he's got some specific complaints. Libertarians try to get around this fact that freedom is not the only good thing by trying to reduce all other goods to it through the concept of choice, claiming that everything that is good is so because we choose to partake of it. Therefore, freedom, by giving us choice, supposedly embraces all other goods. But this violates common sense by denying that anything is good by nature, independently of whether we choose it. Nourishing foods are good for us by nature, not because we choose to eat them. Taken to its logical conclusion, the reduction of the good to the freely chosen means there are no inherently good or bad choices at all, but that a man who chose to spend his life playing tiddlywinks has lived as worthy a life as Washington or Churchill. And I have to disagree with his premise there. I think that absolutely, it's all in your head. If what you want to do with your life is to play tiddlywinks, as he gives that example, then he's had a good life, and he's done what he wanted to do, and he's been successful at it. From your perspective, you may believe that a Washington or a Churchill are more worthy men, but that's only your perspective, and it's not the perspective of the man playing tiddlywinks. You know, you get one life, you don't get to live other people's lives, and uh, the people that would propose to do so, to me, are just sick and twisted. Right. As far as I'm concerned, um, you know, like, I am I can make a judgment call on the guy's life who, who chooses to just pay t play tiddly tiddlywinks. I can also make a judgment call on Washington and Churchill's lives, too, and, you know, I, I'm going to have things bad to say about all of them, because it's not my life, you right. know? It's not the way I would live it. But this guy is one of those types of people, one of those law and order types, those conservatives that wants to shove his morals down your throat. He's one of those types of people that has a value system that he believes is correct. 
So in his value system, Washington and Churchill are men of, uh, you know, importance and men whose lives mean something. But the tiddlywink player, to him, you know, he's just a throwaway. He's wasted his life. He should have done something differently. And if this man was in charge, he would have ensured that he had done something differently. Laws against tiddlywinks. Furthermore, he says, the reduction of all goods to individual choices presupposes that all goods are individual. Not really sure what that means. But some, like national security, clean air, or a healthy culture. Hmm, healthy culture. We'll investigate that one further. Mm, Uh, Culture is one of the dangerous buzzwords. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's going to be his definition of what's healthy, right? Right. And he gets to decide what the culture is. And he says those things are inherently collective. It may be possible to privatize some, but only some, and the efforts can be comically inefficient. Do you really want to trace every pollutant in the air back to the factory that emitted it and sue? Libertarians rightly concede that one's freedom must end at the point at which it starts to impringe impinge upon another person's, but they radically underestimate how this happens. So even if the libertarian principle of and it harm done, do as thou wilt, is true, it does not license the behavior libertarians claim. Consider pornography, and here we get into his area of what he considers a healthy culture. Mm. Libertarians say it should be permitted, because if someone doesn't like it, he can choose not to view it. But what he can't do is choose not to live in a culture that has been vulgarized by it. Well, I disagree. Um, he could, in fact, exactly do that. He could, they'll, you know, in a world where pornography is legal and they're allowed to advertise at uh, any level they wish, you can believe that some people won't want to raise their kids around that and will, uh, you know, have pornography-free communities. Like maybe the Fundamentalist uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I bet there wasn't very much uh, porn available on their compound. No, I imagine there probably Or wasn't. how about Ave Maria, the Catholic town that is being built down in Florida, where you literally have to agree to certain strictures in order to live there. You could very easily get together with all of your anti-porn friends and families and all them and go and live off in your own little anti-porn land where you can spend all your time trying to ferret out those teenagers that are trying to hide their Playboy magazines that they've managed to smuggle into your community. You could put up walls, in fact, around the outside to ensure that no one can get in and out with any pornography. So that way you can absolutely shut down any porn watching going on. You could put cameras in every room of uh, every house just to make sure that the kids aren't masturbating or self-pleasuring while they're home alone. You could go crazy with that if you wanted to in your free land. But I think he it's silly. He see that. Well, you, that, well, that would be their freedom, though, Mark, and they would be able to choose that. But that's not good enough for this guy, because he knows what's right, see? And he's going to force it on everybody. Porn is bad, according to him, and therefore no one should have access to porn. Even if, even if he had the freedom to go elsewhere, he wouldn't want to, because he wants to help save you from yourself. 800-259-9231. He's got some hard questions, by the way, he wants to ask libertarians, and we'll be happy to answer some of them. Here in moments, you can take control as well. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. Single CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include, by the way, live streams, a broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version are both free for you at freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival is better known as Porkfest. It's happening June 9th through the 15th. And at Porkfest, you'll be able to meet hundreds of individuals who, just like you, cherish liberty and are living the goal of liberty in our lifetime. 
Plus, you'll be able to listen to concerts, enjoy some barbecue, and socialize around the fire. Not to mention, watch Free Talk Live in person. We'll be broadcasting three nights. That'll be riveting. Discover new freedoms. Well, it's going to be extra fun, I think, this time around, Mark, because we're going to apparently, from what I understand, be broadcasting from the bar this time. So not only will you be able to watch Free Talk Live, but you'll also be able to sit around and get drunk. Imbibing alcohol at a, uh, a radio remote. What a, what a unique idea. <laughs> so it'll be fun. Uh, discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Be sure you sign up for your campsites by April 12th. You've only got a couple more days to lock in a guaranteed Free State Project area campsite. Right. After the 12th, you may still be able to get a campsite, but there's no guarantee as to where it will be on right. the campgrounds it's or if it'll even be available. Your, your, your chances of being right down in the heart of the action right. And that's where you want diminished. to be. That's where you want to be. So go to porkfest.com, get more information. We're going to continue this particular opinion piece about uh, attacking libertarians. He's got a bunch of questions to ask here in a moment, but we've got to go to the phones and talk to Daryl in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Daryl. Hi, how are you? Super. What's on your mind? Oh, nothing. I've just started listening to you guys, and um, I'm really starting to open my eyes on on what the government's doing to us. Um, I'm a 40-year-old man with six kids. Wow. Um, I have raised them all. I got five in college now. Mm -hmm. Um, I was getting divorced. The ex-wife knew somebody in law enforcement and said that I was dealing pot and meth and so they started pulling my garbage at night when I put it out at the curb, mm-hmm. and uh, they found some marijuana baggies, some pot seeds, and some stems. Well, they went to the judge and got a search warrant. We, oh, I came home with my girlfriend one night, and there was the whole friggin' SWAT team from Hillsborough County. Wow. They ripped us out of the car. They drugged my girlfriend out. Ju- I mean, just cut her knees up. Mm. Um, totally, you know, again, the way you guys say it is like, they are very forceful for what they say, and it's like, I've never been in trouble. I've never had a record. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was totally cooperative. I didn't know what to do. You know, yes, I asked my pot. I admitted to it. Um, well, we're going to go easy on you if you tell us what's here, and I did. Well, they tore the house apart, drug us to jail. Really went easy on you, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Isn't I'm that a bunch you. of crap? I am just, and I've never been in trouble, so I didn't. I was, I've been this law-abiding citizen for 40 years. A lot of good at did you? Other than me smoking pot. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you know, I, just, you, I mean, it could have happened even if you didn't smoke pot, as we've talked about many a time. I mean, people, that, yeah, you know, no, the cops I, just I, F yeah. it up, and they get the wrong house. Right. Oh, I know. I know. I just, I, I just if, if I want to sit in my home and after work smoke a joint, that's my rights. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It is. It's just these uh, criminals calling themselves the police uh, and the government, they, they don't. Oh, I know. And, and, you know, I spent 14 hours in, in, in holding cells or a uh, holding area, mm-hmm. and I watched them abuse so many people. Really? I mean, they drug them off into lockup for asking questions, for wanting to read what they were going to sign. You know the, yep. the officer that dubbed the paraplegic out on the floor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the holding facility I was at. Oh, really? Oh, he here. You're calling from Georgia. Are you? Uh, yeah. You... No, I work. I work the whole southeast United States. I'm originally from Newport Ritchie, which is just outside of Tampa, Florida. Okay, gotcha. So, um, yeah, I just it, this whole court thing took two years to get through. I ended up with four years probation. Wow. For two ounces of pot with no record. Man. I I mean they are letting me travel. 
you know, the judge was very nice about that. But hmm. I mean, the whole point is that I shouldn't be in this problem. <laughs> nope, nope. Shouldn't be. They should have I mean, left you the hell alone. You should be uh, off earning money to support your, what was it, four kids or six six kids, right? Six. You should I be... had my kids, my uh, second wife's kids, and I took in foster children that are still with us. They're 24 years old. I mean, we're not... Not but bad people. But you should be punished because you had a plant in your house and inhaled some smoke into your lungs. Shame on exactly. you, citizen. It's just I just, It's just the whole system. And my son listens to you guys, and he's the one that turned me on to you. Oh, cool. Um, and I'm really starting to see it your way. and, and well, I, It, it I, grows I, on you, man. Well, this, this viewpoint is so consistent, so logical, so sensible, it makes sense. There's no reason right. to not see it our way. You know, it's, but see, I always was like... You respect the law. You respect the law. You know what? Ah. I hate the law so much now. Yep. I have such a hostility towards law enforcement, our government, everything, and they caused this. Yep. Isn't it amazing that government people, they wonder why it is that young people, for instance, call the cops pigs and uh, young yep. people hate the police? <laughs> well, maybe it's because you're arresting them and their friends for smoking marijuana and throwing a little party on the weekend. Exactly. I mean, and, and I'm not into, you know party and old gun but i mean i want to be able to do what i want to do in my own home and you should be able to you work I hard even, I, I don't even feel safe in my own home nope. anymore but it's not and it's funny though it's it, isn't it ironic that it's not that you don't feel safe from common criminals it's that you don't no. feel safe from the government criminals i don't feel safe from the government a hundred percent and this whole thing has cost me probably close to $20,000. Oh, gosh. Just in, what, I lawyer's have, fees I, and, and court yeah, costs? lawyer fees, all kinds of fines, everything. I also, they confiscated $2,000 of mine. For oh, some pot baggies. For, for pot baggies. Oh, he was a dealer. Yeah, for pot baggies. They said that they were watching my home. And I said, if you were watching my home, you would know that no traffic was coming in. The months that they said they were watching, I mean, I barely had anybody come over. Hmm. I mean, all I do is work, and and I I go home from work, and I like to have a joint instead of drinking alcohol. Yep. Well, apparently you know, there's not enough murderers out there to be uh, investigating. Exactly. They had to sit out in front of your house for two months. Yeah, but I mean, now I have to drive home every month to check in a probation. It costs me $300 to go home and come back in diesel fuel because oh. it's at $4 a gallon. So are you a driver? Um, are you a professional driver? No, I, I install aluminum handrails on high-rise condo buildings. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, a little specialized. so I just kind of travel. I'm, I'm here in uh, Atlanta now. I'm going in another week to uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Well, you know, so, it could have been worse, I suppose. It's. I uh, guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's just the whole thing is just incredible and and well, the, the problem is, is I just feel so angry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you well really... twenty grand, I would be pretty darn angry too. Sure. They could have gone yeah. to a, they could have gone to help the, your foster kids or you know, your real yeah. kids. Yeah. It, it, it's it's fr certainly frustrating, and people in this movement can look at all the awful things that government does and continues to do and has done to them in the past, and they can be angry about it. Or they can, you know, put it aside and, and move ahead with helping right. uh, introduce other people to these ideas because it's right. really – that's what's going to change things. It's, it's changing the hearts and minds of Americans one person – and people around the world as well – one person at a time. And we're glad you're out there. And thank you for listening to the show. And uh, call us again sometime. We appreciate hearing from you, I sir. Will see you in New, I will see you in New Hampshire when I'm off probation. Oh, that's exciting. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. Wow. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's going to be one person at a time, and it's probably going to happen in New Hampshire first. 
but maybe eventually it'll spread out to the rest of the country and the rest of the world. If not, at least we'll be free. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. show is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website. Grab the archives, an entire year's worth of the show front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Enjoy them on us at freetalklive.com. Is another fad diet really the answer to losing your extra pounds? Are working out and eating right no longer helping um, you lose weight? If you can relate to that... And go read the story of a doctor who lost 37 pounds in one month and has kept it off. See the actual before and after pictures and read his story at notfatanymore.com. Want to get off the fad diet roller coaster forever? Then check out notfatanymore.com. We go back to the opinion article. This one is from the American Conservative magazine. And it's a guy, Robert Locke wrote the uh, the article and. He he tries to make him sound, himself sound very intellectual. You know, maybe he's an intellectual guy. I don't know. Tries to make himself sound real smart about his critiques of libertarianism. But really what it all boils down to is this guy has a view of how the world should be and how everyone should behave and how everyone should believe. And he wants everyone to adhere to his viewpoint. And the idea that some people don't want that. The idea that some people want to just live free and choose for themselves how to live their lives is downright scary to this guy. Let me get to his questions here that will, I think, reveal exactly how frightened this guy is. He says that uh, libertarians in real life rarely live up to their own theory, but tend to indulge in the pleasant parts while declining to live up to the difficult portions. I have no idea what he's talking about. They flout the drug laws, but continue to collect government benefits they consider illegitimate. This is not just an accidental failing of libertarianism's believers, but an intrinsic temptation of the doctrine that sets up sets it up no. to fail whenever tried. No. Just like Marxism. I, I, I disagree. Um, that that really, I disagree with that. I um, I'm of the. I generally do not accept uh, government uh, handouts if I can avoid it. I would prefer not to drive on government roads if I could avoid it. I prefer uh, you know anything that's uh, put up voluntarily. I'm not taking social security. FYI. I, not, not, I couldn't. Oh, actually, I could take Social Security, but I've paid into it. The government has stolen all of it. my money. Anything I can get out of the government is is mine for the taking. No, it's, Believe that's a sensible me. position. Yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with taking anything, um, you know, any of these government programs. The government isn't going to disappear. It's not going to go away if people stop taking their programs. It's true. They'll just spend what the money gonna somewhere else. What they're going to go away is if we stop giving, our, giving them our money, if we stop allowing them to steal our money from us. And stop obeying. So there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, uh, with taking government handouts. He says libertarians need to be asked some hard questions. Are you ready, Mark? Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll take the hard question. What if a free society needed to draft its citizens in order to remain free? There is no such thing as a free society <laughs> drafting citizens in order to remain free. Now, I, I, I talk I, about a question with some serious contradictions. Right, that doesn't make any sense. First off, um, you know, the United States, and I, that's the society I would prefer to talk about here, is blessed by uh, a great geography. We have uh, we're between Canada and Mexico, neither one of which is going to attack us any time in the near future. 
Um, you can't you you can't put an invading force that's going to hold America um, on its shores on on the shores uh, from boats. You just can't do it. It, it um, you know the the Second Amendment. You can't take Wash. You can have Washington D.C. China, please come get Washington D.C. As far as I'm <laughs> concerned, invade it, you wipe them out, raise the buildings, shoot everyone. I'm fine with that. But um, you can't take America, the real America, which isn't in Washington D.C. It's not in Hollywood. The real America sets all around and in between. You can't take that with an invading force, not with the Second Amendment in play. Absolutely not. We don't need to draft our citizens in order to remain free. We may, um, now the politicians may feel the desire to draft our citizens in order to send us to, to fight in foreign wars. However, I could make a good argument that we haven't been in any foreign wars that have secured freedom for us at all, including the Japanese theater, excuse me, the Asian theater of, the, of World War II. That might be the the single best argument for uh, foreign intervention, but it's it's not a great one. He has more questions. What if this free society needed to limit oil imports to protect the economic freedom of its citizens from unfriendly foreigners? What? Okay. Protectionism. Uh, right. Trade barriers. Um, what? It's bizarre. Now, how can this free society, how can a society be free by limiting the import of anything? Uh, free people should be able to contract freely with um, other people that are free. That doesn't well, make any sense. I think he's sense. suggesting that the oil should all be coming from America and we should lock out any other uh, oil coming from the rest of the world. Well, how would that make us free? I mean, uh, What's the idea of... Why, uh, why shouldn't I be able to buy my oil from Saudi Arabia or Venezuela if well, I feel I, like it? It's, you know, the, it's the, like the guy that called in last night with the uh, protectionist mentality. That, that guy didn't say anything about freedom. But No, no, no. The suggestion is that uh, certain people should have the freedom to make money without competition from the rest of the world. That's kind of the viewpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Lock out the rest of the world so you can have the freedom to make uh, a bunch of money off of your captives, basically. Here's more questions. And by the way, that's just totally economically ignorant, by the way. At letting free trade happen, which is what this guy doesn't want, letting free trade happen makes, uh, make it so, makes it so everyone makes more wealth. Wealth expands. The pie is not finite. The pie is infinite. It continues to expand as we continue to have more freedom. But if we have less freedom, then the pie will expand sl uh, slower, if at all. And another thing is, is uh, what they don't understand is oil is this, the oil companies are subsidized. Um, you know, the... the the cost of oil, for one, um, the securing of oil in the Middle East is done oh, yeah. at, on the taxpayer dole. So to the cost of hundreds of billions of dollars. It's getting it's getting on up to the it's over half a trillion yeah. now. Um, and that's just this war. That's just this particular war. So wouldn't Middle Eastern oil cost more than say United States oil to get out of the ground if we had uh, if if we didn't. Uh, charge the taxpayers for, uh, to put our army over, over there, and uh, and oil companies had to have their own security? It's a good question. He's got more questions, Mark. What if this free society needed to force its citizens to become sufficiently educated in order to sustain the free society? Uh, you know, he he makes a certain uh, argument there. Uh, Thomas Jefferson claimed that, uh, that that, you know, uneducated people couldn't be free. Um, and I, th I think that to some extent I, I must agree with him. Because, you know, they can be led by jerks like this. But, um, no, you can't, you can't tell people whether they can uh, have to be educated to a certain level or not. Because 
what's best for one family isn't what's best for another. I think it's telling that this conservative guy admitted in the very beginning of his article, in case you're just tuning in, he admitted that collectivism is important for society. And it's very telling that for all the, you know, the trash talking that conservatives do against communists, the liberals, that here he is saying things like he's he's he has uh, created society as though it's an individual, right? He says, "What if it this free society that mm-hmm. he's envisioning, what if it needed to force its citizens to become sufficiently educated to sustain a free society?" He's suggesting that society has needs, like an individual would right. have a need. Like it sits there and needs to be fed. Mama, mama. Right. No, <laughs> society doesn't exist. Isn't this the problem that so many conservatives complain about? The idea that, uh, you know, the liberals are teaching uh, sex education in school and there's homosexuals in there and they've taken the Bible out of school and look what all these ther- you know, terrible things. Well, the, the premise there is the same. The premise there is that society needs to know about this and that and this and that. It's just that the two different groups disagree over what society is supposed to be and knowing. They will, and 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 the, the 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 cool little secret about government is they'll never agree. So therefore, they'll be warring it out on into the future whether the For conservatives are right or liberals are right, and the government will get bigger and bigger and bigger, just like the conservatives say they don't want to have happen. And then he trots out the old canard. What if it needed to deprive landowners of the freedom to refuse to sell their property as a precondition for giving everyone freedom of movement on highways? Well, because you know the marketplace, it can't do anything, and it certainly couldn't put asphalt well, on. You know they've they, you the know they lost when they bring up the roads. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know that there's just when it comes down when they start arguing things like uh, the 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 need for a military and the need for roads. Fine. I, I'm, I'm fine. I, I, yes, we, we need a military. We need roads. Great. Now that we've decided that the only legitimate uh, sources of government are the reason for government are roads and military, let's get rid of all this superfluous crap. No, but that wouldn't work for this guy because he has a vision, a vision for society that he wants to enforce on everyone. Right. And he's using roads as an excuse. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. If you like the show, buy some stuff at the Free Talk Live store. Great Free Talk Live branded merchandise, including T-shirts, hats, hoodies, and more. Also, we give away the bumper stickers, so get one of those for free at store.freetalklive.com. That's store.freetalklive.com. Reading one of the most ludicrous attacks on libertarianism. I think I've ever read. It's just full of uh, just full of madness. This guy is uh, twisted. Let me just continue here before. There's no point in recapping. If you missed it, go grab the archives. He's uh, got a bunch of questions for libertarians about this supposed free society. He says, "What if it?" By the way, he personalizes society as though it's an individual, which is a very collectivist idea. And this is funny because the articles from the American Conservative. I thought they were against communism. Things that make you go, let's, hmm. na- let's name society Nancy, since he's you know, giving it a personality and a name and everything. What if Nancy needed to deprive citizens of the freedom to import cheap foreign labor in order to keep out poor foreigners who would vote for socialistic wealth redistribution? Talk well, about a crazy question. Why would it matter if, uh, if the government wasn't so large and so intrusive? It wouldn't. And if we had stuck to the Constitution like we were supposed to, then it wouldn't have mattered. Mm-hmm. 
In each of these cases, less freedom today is the price of more tomorrow. Total freedom today would just be a way of running down accumulated social capital and storing up problems for the future. So even if libertarianism is true in some ultimate sense, this does not prove that the libertarian policy choice is the right one today on any particular question. Furthermore, if limiting freedom today may prolong it tomorrow, what is it like to live in this bizarro world of illogic? (laughs) Limiting freedom today, today may prolong it tomorrow. How could you even tell yourself that story? How can you eliminate freedom and then hope to get it, gain it well, back? Well, you wouldn't eliminate it, Mark. You'd limit. I see. You'd limit the freedom. <laughs> what? He says it. He says here that he doesn't want total freedom. Who, so who the gets idea to decide um, who limits whose freedom Nancy. and for how long? Nancy, Nancy does. does. Yeah. Nancy in the form of the politicians who right. are uh, elected to protect Nancy. He says, then limiting freedom tomorrow may prolong it in the day after and so on, so the right amount of freedom may in fact be limited freedom in perpetuity. But if limited freedom is the right choice, then libertarianism, which makes freedom an absolute, is simply wrong. If all we want is limited freedom, then mere liberalism will do. Uh, there's no need to embrace outright libertarianism just because we want a healthy portion of freedom, and the alternative to libertarianism is not the USSR, it's America's traditional liberties. Libertarianism's abstract and absolutist view of freedom leads to bizarre conclusions, like slavery. Libertarianism would have to allow one to sell oneself into it. Yeah, okay, yeah. he's right about that one. I don't see any reason why, uh, for one, why should, we, why should one be able to uh, sell oneself into, uh, into indentured servitude to the military, but no other organization? Mm, why is point. it that well, I can be a slave to the government for eight years, but not anyone, any other organization? He says libertarianism degenerates into outright idiocy when confronted with the problem of children whom it treats like adults, supporting the abolition of compulsory education. Once again, here he is going to bat for compulsory education. He mentioned it earlier before. And aren't conservatives the ones that are always advocating homeschooling and private schooling and things like that? Oh, I see. It's okay for them to send their kids to private schools, but the rest of those folks, they should all have to send their kids to our government schools so we can indoctrinate them with what we want to indoctrinate them with. Right? I don't know. He says, uh, oh yes, and all child-specific laws like those against child labor... He's supporting child labor laws and those well, against child he sex. Does he, he says that we treat uh, children like uh, um, adults. Uh, adults, but you know, to, some children need to be able to make a decision for themselves. Um, like for instance, we were talking about this uh, this weird clan out in El Dorado, Texas. There, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the fundamentalist Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints folks. That's right. Shouldn't those kids be able to run away from home and get jobs and support themselves? Government says no. Government took them back and put them back in the compound. Yeah, they gave them back to the, uh, the the people that were supposedly raping them and beating them and whatever. I don't think that uh, libertarianism necessarily treats children like adults, but it does treat them like individuals with the ability to make decisions for themselves. And I think that it's sad that so many in society, both so-called liberals and so-called conservatives, both treat kids like they, you know, they can't choose. Like they can't make decisions for themselves. Like they don't know, what, you know, in a divorce, which parent they'll want to be with. That sort of thing. Like, they don't know if they're experiencing something positive or something good in their life, and, like, they don't know uh, what, what's right and what's wrong as far as what they want for themselves. Kids can make decisions, too. It's just that they're treated like little babies up until they're 24 years old. And then we expect them to act like adults. Yeah. 
We need to stop coddling young people, get rid of these uh, child labor laws so kids can get out there into the workplace if that's what they choose to do and their parents are okay with it. So kids can get I out there. I started working at 12 years old. I started working at, the, at around that age, and, too. And I've got to say great. that I learned more from working than I did from high school. No doubt about it. He says, uh, let's continue here. He says, likewise, he cannot handle the insane and the sen- uh, senile. I don't see how private property wouldn't be able to handle those things. If you don't want crazy people on your land, just, you know, you know, put them there. Well, uh, don't and, allow and them on. Charities would be concerned with uh, with all of those, all those things. All of and, those. And their families would take care of them largely like they do today. Uh, we get to his next objection. Libertarians argue that radical permissiveness, like legalizing drugs would not shred a libertarian society because drug users who cause trouble would be disciplined by the threat of losing their jobs or homes if current laws that make it difficult to fire or evict people were abolished. They claim a natural order of reasonable behavior would emerge. But there's no actual empirical proof that this would happen. Well, how about alcohol? <laughs> I mean, somehow alcoholics, which, by the way, alcohol being the most uh, the, the drug that makes people most violent, um, somehow they manage to function in everyday society, and uh, they're limited by, well, losing their jobs or right. apartments and that kind of thing. Yeah, how about... Yes, in ha- fact, it's, well, there is empirical data. Right. And how you about, just don't want to hear about it. Yeah, right. How about the empirical data of the fact that there are millions and millions of drug users right now that aren't alcohol drinkers, that drug users are functioning just fine in their jobs. They're out there. They're not causing trouble. Right. What he's, is he he's, he's making the assumption that because the laws exist that people aren't doing drugs right now? Yeah. What a boob. He says, uh, furthermore, this means libertarianism is an all-or-nothing proposition. If society continues to protect people from their consequences of their actions in any way, libertarianism regarding specific freedoms is illegitimate. And since society does so protect people, libertarianism is an illegitimate moral position until the great libertarian revolution has occurred. I don't really even understand what he's getting at there. Well, because there's because there are some limitations currently that uh, one can't advocate no limitations? Is that what he's saying? It's hard to understand. Well... He says, and is society really wrong to protect people against the negative consequences of some of their free choices? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And who who can believe that they're actually protecting anyone against negative consequences of their choices? I mean, really, is that that happening? If you go out tonight... They're making further negative consequences for their choices. They're not protecting anybody against anything. Society doesn't protect. The government can't protect. All the government's got is fines, jails and guns. Right, that exactly. So if you get caught doing drugs, you get a fine or go to jail and then your life gets worse. Right, so somebody gets caught um, smoking pot and goes to jail, how does that protect me if I'm part of this uh, society that he's talking about? How does it protect you if you're the uh, the pot smoker? How does it protect anyone? He says while it's obviously fair to let people enjoy the benefits of their wise choices, wise in his decision and suffer the cost of their stupid ones, decent societies set limits on both these outcomes. People are allowed to become millionaires, but they are taxed. They are allowed to go broke, but they are but not forced you, to starve. You know, um, the same thing is with work, though. Who's to say? I, I, would, I would compare marijuana with work. Smoking a little bit of marijuana? Fine. Great. You enjoy yourself. Working a little bit? Working a lot is good. But working too much is bad. It, d- it destroys the family. It's bad for a person. Who gets to decide that? He says the libertopian alternative would be perhaps a more glittering society, but also a crueler one. So once again, buying into this myth that libertarians are somehow cruel, heartless, scummy people that would never help a single soul. America, and it's ludicrous. America is the most uh, 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 generous nation 
Oh, ever no, no. He's saying exist. libertarians. Libertarians would not help anyone. But libertarians are generous too. Libertarians give. Yeah. Libertarians definitely give of themselves. I know. I talk to them every day. I went and helped some guy move in recently here yeah. in Keene. My God. Yeah. Didn't get paid for it. He did buy me a, a bowl of soup. But I didn't expect anything like you that. You probably tried to chisel a soda out of him, too. No, I didn't know that was going to happen in advance. <laughs> just went to help out, because that's what we do up here. Anyway, uh, out of time for the article. There's more critique from this guy. Maybe we'll finish it some other time, but we got to go to John in North Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live. John, hello. John in North Carolina. Going once? Yeah, yeah. There he yeah, is. Yeah, how you doing? We like what you're saying. It sounds good. Keep on doing it. Well, thank you. Thank you. What was on your mind tonight? You've got about uh, 30 seconds. Go. Oh, um... Uh, yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying. It sounds real good, and um, I can't think of anything right now. <laughs> All right. You're a yes man. Thanks for the call tonight. Thank you Let's very much. go to Jeremy. Jeremy, 20 seconds. Go. Think, I was thinking about uh, one of the freedoms that uh, China and Japan, places like that, have is we, that we don't, and that's the freedom not to have copyrights and patents. I think. That's one of the reasons they took the lead on the It's an interesting area of discussion, and it is a bone of contention amongst libertarians, and we don't have time to get into it tonight. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The cynic says, I started losing my hair, and there was nothing I could do. I wore a baseball cap because I was self-conscious. The believer says, I started using Avacor two months ago, and already I'm regrowing my own hair. My bald spot is going. No caps for me. Are you a cynic? Avacor's formula is FDA-approved to regrow your own hair in as little as two months. Avacor's topical formula contains the only ingredient approved by the FDA to regrow hair without risk of sexual side effect. Call right now and ask about getting a free month supply of Avacor and receive Boost just for trying Avacor. Boost can make your hair visibly thicker with its first application. Call 1-800-451-8920. That's 1-800-451-8920. This is a limited time offer, so call now. Call 1-800-451-8920. 1-800-451-8920. Or log on to avacorradio.com. <laughs> 